Hey, you're about to hear a great word from our teaching team. At Freedom House, we're about equipping you to experience Christ's freedom every day. We would love to connect with you. We stream our live services Sundays at 10.30 and 12.15 Eastern Standard Time. You can join us at freedomhouse.cc live. I hope you enjoyed this message. Morning, Freedom House. You can be seated and uh, what an introduction. I think you should travel with me and just introduce me all around the world and uh, I'll feel really good about myself. Greetings from Australia and uh, greetings from City Point Church. We so love you. We pray for you. We're a part of the same mission that you are on a different part of the planet. I mean, you all think you live in the South? We live in the South, all right. And uh, can you all understand Australian? Because I am bilingual. I can speak American as well. Y'all, <laughs> it is a real pleasure to be with you. Uh, our latest uh, City Point Live worship album is now out. It's called Mover of Mountains and uh, it's breaking all records on the charts and going around the world powerfully. Uh, you can get it on all digital formats, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, all that sort of thing. But if you like a real hard copy in your hands, uh, we have the disc available outside in the resource centre out there. There's not many there. And uh, if you've got a CD player, this is the best way to do it. Uh, you will enjoy it. Uh, it's incredible uh, that the, uh, the theme song is mover of mountains, robber of graves. Doesn't it just uh, give an epitome of what God is like? And uh, we got a short clip of, uh, we recorded the album live at church on a Sunday night. And have a look at a short clip up there about mover of mountains. that again on digital. If not, grab it outside. It does come with a warning, do not play in motor vehicle. Uh, uh, if you put a praise song on, you will get excited, you will speed and you will get a ticket, all right? Uh, if you're silly enough to put a worship song on, your eyes will close, your hands will leave the steering wheel and you will crash. So do not play it in your motor car, all right? Just a warning. And I have said that jokingly around the world. And I had a guy come up to me last time I was in New Zealand. He said, I didn't listen. I said, what happened? He said, I got a ticket. All right, so there it is. So grab that on the way out. The disc is out there, grab that. Uh, we love your pastors, uh, Troy and Penny. We think they're awesome. They're good friends of ours. And uh, we love what you're doing here at Freedom House. Uh, my job as a leader and as a pastor, or over here as a pastor, um, uh, uh, is to encourage people into their future, uh, to see what God has for them, and to make a difference. That we as a church actually leave the world in a better place than once we found it. So today's uh, message is called Normal Christian Living. 
Now, the word normal is not an exciting word, but I'll give you some context for it. Let me start by saying that normal Christian living is not average Christian living. Normal in the kingdom is not average. Average is subnormal in the kingdom. The context of church every once in a while, prayer, you know, I pray when hell breaks loose. Uh, Bible, you know, I've got one somewhere, you know. Uh, just doing enough good things to keep the universal scales of justice in place to make it into heaven is not normal Christianity. As far as God is concerned, normal Christianity is dedicated, devoted, on fire, endure to the end Christianity. That's normal Christianity in the kingdom. And this is not to make anybody feel uncomfortable, of course, unless that's necessary. Um, uh, but it's to inspire us to be what God's called us to be. Uh, God uh, likes uh, us to be uh, in a position that we're significantly loving Him and making a difference. Does anybody uh, eat oysters in the house? If you're an oyster eater, you know some things about oysters. Number one, that cold oysters are good. You also know that hot oysters are good. You also know that lukewarm oysters are not good. If you eat a lukewarm oyster, you're going to feel that context of feeling like gagging and vomiting. I want to tell you this morning that with God, He wants His believers to be hot. Not cold, but hot. Let's look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, I don't know what's on your bucket list, but making God vomit is not on mine. I don't want to be, no, yeah, he's the guy that made God vomit. I don't want to be that person. And he says, look, I understand if you're cold, you don't know me. But if you know me, then your position is hot. You've tasted of me. You've seen my love and my goodness. You know me. You're hot. He says, what I don't want you to be is a person that's tasted of me and become lukewarm. Average is not normal in the kingdom of God. Our position is hot. I want to tell you today that if your Christianity has to be anything, it has to be everything. If it's going to be anything at all, it has to be everything. The very centre of your world. God's not an add-on to our lives. Business, social life, marriage, family, God. No, 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 no. God is supposed to be the centre of our lives. And when He's the sender, He brings warmth and life to everything else we do add on. Our family, our marriage, our business, our social life, He's supposed to be the sender of all that we are. If we do it this way, then we start to go into the place where we're living not just average, mediocre lives, but we're living to a place of normal Christianity, which is hot. In the kingdom, great is normal. Look, His name is El Shaddai, not El Cheapo. His life, not limited, but unlimited and abundant. He's a God, not of the possible, but God of the impossible. The, man, th this is the God that we serve. And therefore, we've got to start to realise that what we've got to bring to the generation is absolutely needed and powerful. We've got to bring Jesus to our generation. See, the church started... 
2,000 years ago and it started on this very same, same foundation as we're living it out today. And I wanna go back, I wanna take us on a bit of a history lesson because when the church started in the book of Acts, I mean, they revolutionised revolutionized the generation they lived in. They made a change that the ripples are still being felt today. And I, I believe this is a time that the church doesn't shrink back into mediocrity, into average, but we actually up the ante a little bit and bring to the table what God wants us to bring. Look, it's time for the church to stand up and be secure in who they are. Everybody else has come out of the closet. Man, but we're the only ones left in there. It's time for the church to come out of the closet and be be confident in the declaration of who Jesus is. He is not dead, He is alive. He is risen, He is a Saviour. He has hope and answers for every human being. So let's go back to the book of Acts, chapter two. And we're gonna read through 41 through 47. So let's read that through and get a picture of the church. Then those who gladly received His Word were baptised. And that day, 3,000 souls were added to them. Then they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul. Uh, and not, not fear in the sense of, uh, of scared, but fear in the sense of awe. Like, awe, like the, the majesty of God, the, the sense of God. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. They had everything in common. And they actually sold their possessions and goods, divided to them among anybody that had a need. So continued daily with one accord in the temple. They went to church, they got together. Then they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favour with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Like I just read that through and again, my heart is stirred. I mean, this passage resounds of activity, involvement, caring, signs, wonders, salvation. There's nothing average about that Scripture. That is normal Christian living. And if we wanna see what God wants to do today, we've gotta to have these same things in place. So this morning, I wanna look at some keys that made this church back then so powerful. The first thing I found is this, they loved God. They love God. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about like the way you love ice cream or your new puppy. I'm talking about they adored and worshipped God. They were in love with their Saviour. I think if the enemy can do anything to destroy the church, it's to get people just ordinary with their Saviour. That they just, yeah, it's good. It becomes religion. You know, religion is not a building down the road with stained glass. Religion is the condition of the heart of what good people do when they lose their passion for God. What good people do when they lose that relationship. They become religious, they go through the motion, but that's not the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is not a, 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 a religious concept, it's a relationship concept. You don't get into heaven because of what you know. You get into heaven because of who you know. That's how it works, it's relationship. They love God, it says they were steadfast in the Word. They, they, they were in prayer. They went around praising God, not complaining about the government, not, not complaining about the economy. They were, they were worshipping God. He was the centre of their everyday life. They realised at the end of the day, when they boiled it all down, that their relationship with Jesus was the most important thing they could have. He was their answer for their future, their freedom and their hope. This morning, I want to let you know 
that you'll never know God any more than you know His Word. You'll never know God anymore. That Bible that you hold in your hands, whether it's a book, a tablet or a phone, those words written on those pages were never intended to stay written on those pages. They're always intended to be written on the tablets of a human heart. To know God is to know His Word. And if you wanna know God, know what He says. And you'll never love God any more than the amount of time you spend in His presence, in worship and in prayer and in serving. It's in that place you find God in a very real way. Today, I wanna inform you that normal Christianity is loving, adoring and worshipping God. Normal Christianity is to be excited. And I'm not saying we're a bit crazy. God's after fruit, not nuts. But I'm saying... (laughs) But we need to be excited about Jesus. We need to be passionate about the God that saved us. The second thing I find in this passage of Scripture was they were connected to each other. They were tight. All for one, one for all. Go the teenage mutant ninja turtles. It says they're in the temple daily. They attend a church. Don't underestimate the power of church attendance. It is the most significant thing that we could, and I think it's, again, the enemy tries to steal the importance of it because as soon as we leave the building, we're in a war zone. This is our connection point, our strengthening point, our rallying point to go back into the world to make a difference. They're in the temple, that's what it said. And then they ate at each other's houses. It says they ate their foodness with gladness. Aren't you allowed to eat... Aren't you glad that you're allowed to eat your food with gladness? It's not just about fasting. Feasting is okay as well. I actually think fasting is a spelling mistake. Anyway, feasting is okay. <laughs> it, it, it goes on to say they had, man, they went from house to house. Man, that looked like a party to me. I, they probably had the same music going. You see, it's important to understand that we don't need to just be friendly. We've got to have friends. There's got to be people in our life. If you... If you grow alone, you will grow weak and weird. People who grow alone grow weak and they grow weird. The context of the Bible is together. This is not the believer, it's the church. Jesus never left the apostle, he left the apostles. Everything in God is connected because we are stronger together. Our strength is in our connection. People, people, I heard over the years people say, oh, Pastor Mark, and I, I can't find any friends in the church, and we have a big church. And I'm thinking, you can't find any friends. It's like the, the context of find and friend in the same sentence, this little does my head in a little bit. And I said, you, you can't find any friends? Have you looked under the chairs? That's where we keep them. They're just stacked. <laughs> if you look under the chairs, you'll find your friend. It's most like they were walking to church. Oh, what was that? Oh, look, I found a friend. <laughs> you don't find friends, you make friends. And it's important that we resolve in ourselves that we need to find people to do life with because together is stronger. I um, go fishing once a year on a little island off Australia. And this particular time of year, there's thousands, like hundreds of thousands of fish go past. And the reason I go fishing at this time is because we catch lots and lots of fish. And it's off the beach. We have a long uh, fishing pole. Uh, we have, carry a bucket of bait on our belt so we don't have to keep going back and getting more bait. We have a sack 
on our back. So as you catch the fish, you throw them in the sack. You don't have to move, throw back out. Another fish, you just, just keep catching them. It's great fishing. And uh, this particular day, uh, we all went out on a sandbank uh, to go fishing. About 20 guys, and I didn't know most of them. Uh, we're fishing for a long time. We're all catching lots of fish. We didn't realise the tide was coming in. So it starts to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And then we all sort of had this moment, everybody sort of went, you know, we should probably go back to shore because what had happened, our sacks were starting to float. Now we've got blood in the water. And as soon as we all thought, you know, maybe it's time to go back, we saw this massive fin. Like this big, <laughs> this big, big shark was coming straight in towards us. And, and the, our dilemma was not only that it was there, but now it could swim all the way around us. So we were sort of cut off. You've never seen men get so close. <laughs> there was no homophobic problems that day. <laughs> we got as close as men could get together and still stayed married. I want to tell you, <laughs> we were close. Why? Because the shark would take the outside person. So we're all fighting for the inside position. And as we got so close and tight, we all made it back to the shore alive. I'm glad I wasn't out there by myself that day. Together is stronger. And that's the plan of God for our church, is that we're doing life together. You need to not just attend the temple, but you need to be in a life group. You need to be connected with other people. That's how it is. Jesus said this, they... The unchurched world out there will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. In other words, our greatest mechanism to reach the unchurched world is how we care for one another, our community, how we do life together. It's so important. Being planted in the house, not just attending church, being planted, being connected uh, together in life groups is Normal Christianity, all right? It's normal Christianity. Third thing I, I notice in this passage is they had servants' hearts. They were in. And uh, I, I love believers that, that have got a spirit of whatever needs to be done, I'll do it. They're not after ministry gifts. They're not after prominence. They're after significance. You'll be amazed at what you can achieve if you don't care who gets the glory. You just do your part to have that heart of, of a servant. I, I, I love anybody that says, Pastor Mark, whatever you need. I, I think we never want to lose the spirit of a servant, no matter what your title says, no matter, no matter what your business card says. Even as a senior pastor, I, I want to tell you, it's not how many people serve me, it's how many people I can serve. You must never lose the context of being a servant. It is a normal part of being a believer. It is normal Christianity. And uh, if you're thinking about serving, and often people get stuck, they go, well, well, what do I get? Wrong question. It's not about what you get, it's about who you become. And in the Bible, becoming is everything, because when you become, what you need is attracted to you. When you become a believer, it doesn't say this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things shall be added or attracted to you. That's how the kingdom works. Become, you don't, you don't chase money. You get good at what you do and money is attracted to you. If you're a young man looking for a girl, don't chase them down, attract them. <laughs> Have a shower. <laughs> Smell good. 
I wanna tell you right now, every woman's greatest sense is her nose. I don't care how rich and famous you are. If you don't smell good, you got nothing. Yeah, right, look, there are all the women. Amen, amen, they're agreeing with me. I'm, I'm not making this up. You see, in serving the house, you become a bigger person. So you don't have less, you attract more. You, you, your life gets better, not less, because you're a servant. You don't miss out. It actually improves when you're a servant. You know, I, 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 of all the things we do at our church, one of our biggest budget items is our youth camp. All right? I give, I give our teenagers hundreds of thousands of dollars to go and put on a youth camp. We bought a, a thousand seat tent that somehow they put up. They have to feed a thousand kids for a week. They have to house a thousand kids for a week. They have to set up the stage. They have to do all the technology, the sound equipment. I wanna tell you what kids learn at church, you can't buy in a university. I'd employ any of those kids. You see, by serving, they weren't becoming less, they were becoming more. And that's the truth with all of us. As we serve in the house, we become more of who God's called us to be. And then all that we need is attracted. You know, it's funny. Um, some people have got a strange view of serving. They actually serve to serve their way out of serving. It's like it's the entry point. Like I'll serve because I want to be somebody famous, you know, like <laughs> really bad news. Uh, Jesus said this, if you want to become great, become a servant. When we enter the gates of heaven, these are the words you'll hear. Well done, good and faithful. Not senior pastor, pastor. Not, not well done, good and faithful, famous business person. Well done, good and faithful worship leader. No, no. Well done, good and faithful servant. The highest position in the kingdom of God is the heart of a servant. So how we advance the kingdom is by having a servant's heart. We serve in our community. I love to see what you're doing on a serve day. The Bible says they had favour with all the people. The only reason we have favour with our community is because we serve our community. That's what gives us favour. Normal Christianity is being a servant. While you have breath in your lungs, you should have your hands on somebody else's life. We're called, this is normal Christian living. The last thing I want to speak to you about this morning is they engaged their world and they discipled others. They engaged their world and discipled others. We read it, it said, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved, which tells me somebody was out there telling somebody about Jesus. Somebody was out there inviting them to church, to a life group, to a house party. Somebody was out there doing that. Jesus never said, go and make decisions of all nations. He never said, go and make spectators of all nations. He said, make disciples of all nations. And I'll tell you the difference. A decision gets you to heaven. A disciple helps somebody else get there. That's the difference between a decision and a disciple. That's why he said, don't go and make decisions. Go and make disciples of all nations. But I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna relieve some pressure off you after saying all that. It's not your job or my responsibility to get anybody saved. It's not my job. It's not my responsibility. That's God's 
responsibility. The Bible says, no one shall be saved unless the Holy Spirit draw them. And a lot of Christians don't ask people to church. They don't invite people. They don't tell people about Jesus because they feel like they've failed if somebody doesn't come or somebody doesn't get. It's not your job. It's not your job. Listen, Jesus said the harvest is ripe. He didn't say go and ripen the harvest. It's not our job to convince anybody of anything. It's not our job to argue our point. It's our job to engage people and let them know how good Jesus is. And then it's up to them. It's our job to invite people to the house. If they don't come, it's okay. We haven't failed if they don't come. It's not the nine that say no, it's the one that says yes. Because there is a ripe harvest waiting for you to engage them. All our job is not to ripen the harvest, but to find ripe harvest. And the only way you can do that is talk to people. Only way you can do that is invite people. Only way you can do that is tell people how much you love Jesus and the house of God. But if we're not doing that, there's no place for the Holy Spirit to do what He needs to do. See, I'm not a, I'm not a, um, uh, what is it, a sanguine personality. Is that the right words over here? A sanguine, outgoing. I'm not that person. Uh, my wife is. When I walk into a green, room, a green room and any conference in the world, this is the general response. Hi, Mark, where's Lee? In other words, she's much more fun than you are. Um, and that's the response all around the world. Hey, Mark, oh, where's Lee? That's exactly what happens to me all of the time. She is much more outgoing, much more fun. So I'm not that person who just bounces around telling everybody about Jesus. And if you are, praise God. But I do understand the importance and the power of engaging people. I was on a plane uh, last year and I was sitting next to a lady. We started talking. Uh, I said, what are you doing? She says, well, I own a jewellery store at the Gold Coast, a place near our, our place. And, um, uh, and I said, oh, that's great. And then uh, she said, oh, what do you do? <laughs> I said, I'm a pastor, a pastor. And, um, uh, and of course, usually that shuts the conversation down because no one knows what to say now. Like, what do I say? You know, did I swear before him? I don't know. You know, like they're just... I tell a dirty, oh, you know, it's a lightning. I mean, there's a whole problem with saying that. And, and anyway, she didn't shut it down. This is what she said. She said, you're one of those. And I went, one of whose? One of what? What am I? And, and she said, my son just joined a cult. He's become one of those born again believers. And she was so mad at me. And, and uh, anyway, we talked for the rest of the flight. Uh, and by the end of the flight, I'd convinced her this was the best thing for her son. We got off the plane. She hugged me. She's so excited that her son, like he was on drugs and I said, it's gonna be good. It's all gonna happen for you. Like that. She said, thank you so much. I engaged her. And I never saw that lady again, never saw her. But then three months later, I get a phone call from a pastor friend of mine who was from New Zealand, who's in Australia on vacation. Him and his wife are at a jewellery store. He rings me, he says, Mark. He says, I said, yeah, hey, Pete. He said, uh, is there a church down this way that you know? I said, yeah, I got a friend down there. And I said, why is that? He said, well, I'm in a jewellery store and I've just led the owner to the Lord. And I said, really, that's so exciting. I said, and I went, hey, hang on. I was on a plane a few months ago with a lady that owned a jewellery store on the Gold Coast. This is what he said. Oh, you're that person. You wanna be that person. You wanna be that person. It's not my job to get them saved. My job is to engage them, to let them know how good God is. Be that person. You might see the results, but it doesn't matter. 
And if we take the pressure of ourselves, then it's really easy to reach out. It's really easy to tell people, really easy to invite people because we know it's okay if they say no. <laughs> One more story. I was in church at Sunday night church. It's full of young people. And uh, generally people in church sit around the same sort of area. And if you're doing that, it's okay. It's not a sin. You're allowed to do that. Um, uh, and uh, I looked behind me. There's two girls I'd never seen before. And um, I said, oh, that's interesting. We got up that little moment where you shake hands and say hello. I turned around and said, hey, how you doing? And I said, this is our first time ever in a church. Never been in a church ever in their whole lives. And she said, this is, is this concert on every Sunday night? I said, well, it, well, it is. She said, is it always free? And I said, well, for you, yes, it's free uh, for you to come. And she said, she, she was just overwhelmed. She said, you know what the best thing is? I said, no, what? We cannot believe we got seats so close to the front. Because <laughs> in a concert, these are the money seats. You pay the biggest bucks at a concert for the front seats. It's only the church that starts to fill from the back. And I don't know why that is. I said, how'd you get here? I said, we were on a train. It was crowded, we were all jammed in, we were standing up, there was a young man there and he started to tell us about City Point Church and telling us about how Jesus changed his life and then he got off. And I said, you don't know who he is? I said, no, we don't even know his name. So you came all the way from where you live here by train to come to church Sunday night because somebody in the train just happened to mention Jesus. Just happened to say City Point Church. Why? Because the harvest is ripe. And if we're not out there engaging it, they will never have an opportunity to know. They are waiting for you and I. You and I are the answer to somebody's prayers right now. And that night as we closed the meeting, I asked for people to say yes to Jesus. The first two hands that went up were those two girls right there because somebody engaged them. Let's be disciples of people. Let's engage our world. Let's make a difference in people's lives. Normal Christianity is engaging unchurched people, discipling and helping others. The power of the church is loving God, being connected to each other, having a heart of a servant and engaging the world around us. And we read the results. Signs, wonders, a happy, excited church, a place of great influence and people were being saved and discipled daily. To reach our generation, we need devoted, on fire, endure to the end believers. That is normal Christianity. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes today. Lord, I thank You for every believer here today. God, I thank You that in this room there is people with incredible potential, possibility and future. I pray, God, anointing. I pray that I've challenged and stirred the gift, the calling, the future, the hope in them to be the church you've called us to be. That we don't back into average and mediocrity, but we declare the wonder of who God is. God, I thank You for power in this house. But maybe you've come today and you're not a believer. You're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've never made that decision to believe upon Him or Maybe today you used to be on fire or maybe you grew up in church, but things got in your way. You went down a wrong track. You went away from God, away from church, but here you are back in this place. I wanna tell you this morning, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been, God is not angry or mad at you. He thinks you're incredible. He's waiting for you. He's waiting with open arms 
to respond to you. See, I don't know what challenges you're facing right now. I don't know what challenges are in your future. But I do know this. The answer you're going to need will start and finish in the Name of Jesus. Today, you could say yes. You could believe upon Him and you shall be saved. Forgiven of all your sins, failures and mistakes. And God said He would remember them no more. Today, it starts with the decision to believe upon Him from in your heart. And I'm not going to embarrass you today, but I'd love to pray with those who are reaching out right now for the very first time. Say, you know what? I need Jesus. Or maybe it's I need to come back and reconnect, recommit with Jesus. I want to make it right again. I'd love to pray with you right where you're sitting today. If that's you in your heart, just to help me pray with those around you, would you slip your hand up and give me a wave and say, you know what? That'd be me. Include me in the prayer. Thank you. 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 Hands going up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Just slip that hand. Give me a wave at the back. Thank you. Thank you. Over there. The sides. Thank you. Right across the building. Hands are going up all over the house. Thank you at the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you at the front. Thank you. So look, one more time. If you haven't slipped your hand up, just give me a wave. We're about to pray for you. Thank you, sir. Great decision. Thank you at the back there. Thank you down the front, sir. That's a great decision. Thank you at the side, ma'am. That's a great decision right there. God sees every one of you. Lord, as I looked, I saw hands go up all over this house. But it's not what you saw. You saw hearts open up. And in that moment, as they reached out and they said, I believe the greatest miracle known to man takes place. We are forgiven. We are saved out of what was there and into what God has. You promised you'd love us so deeply that we'd become sons and daughters of the Most High God. And I know your Word says that when even one responds, when one comes back, that heaven stops what it's doing and it rejoices. So I know today for these ones, heaven is looking this way and rejoicing for these people. And so do we at Freedom House. Let's give it up for all those people today and congratulate them. Well done to every one of you today. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe. And hey, if you want to find out more about our church or how you can be a part, go to freedomhouse.cc.